For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Now, on today's episode, we have got on a very interesting guest. He goes by the name of Billboard Chris, and he is fighting against puberty blockers in children. So welcome to the show, Chris. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Zuby. I'm doing well. I'm really appreciative of you having me on because we have a whole bunch of crazy stuff going on in society today. And we need to create awareness. So thank you. No doubt. And creating awareness is something that you have certainly been doing. So for people who aren't familiar with who you are and your advocacy, please tell us a little bit more about you. Sure. So I am just, uh, I think what the internet refers to as normies, just a normal, regular nobody living out in the suburbs of Vancouver, British Columbia. And I've got two girls, they're nine and almost 12 years old. And I became aware of uh, this practice of stopping puberty in children who are gender non-conforming or have recently come out as transgender. These are children who, for the most part, never felt this way growing up. It's what a doctor named Lisa Littman has coined rapid onset gender dysphoria. And so I'm just out there um, having conversations with people. I go out on the street and I wear signs. And the sign that I wear on my front, I'm basically like a human sandwich board. The sign on my front says children cannot consent to puberty blockers. And usually on my back, I might have something like gender ideology does not belong in schools or children are never born in the wrong body. I have a definition of a dad, which is a human male who protects his kids from gender ideology. But ultimately, I'm just hanging out on busy street corners. I go to events. I get invited to give speeches now. And I just talk to people. I have one conversation at a time to spread awareness about these experimental drugs and cross-sex hormones that are being given to children really quickly. And it's causing irreversible damage, as Abigail Schreier so aptly put it in her book, by the same title. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I hear that. So what was it that got you interested in this topic to begin with, to the point that you wanted to go out there in public wearing a sandwich board and Mm -hmm. having these conversations with people? So throughout the end of 2019 and 2020, I was kind of getting myself educated on what was going on in July of 2020 a fabulous woman named Posey Parker in the UK put up a poster at the Edinburgh train station, which simply said, I love JK Rowling. I heart JK Rowling. And it got taken down the next day because some people on Twitter complained. And for those who don't know, uh, JK Rowling has spoken out in defense of women's rights. And she's spoken about this really harmful medical practice that's being done to tens of thousands of children across the Western world. She's never said anything transphobic of the sort, but she came under all sorts of abuse just for having common sense tweets, you know, like is the case today. I know that. And so anyway, yeah, that poster got taken down the very next day. And I just got really tired of all the censorship. There's a lot in society that's kind of going wrong today. But as a dad of girls, these are... And they're right in that age group where kids are really getting affected by this craze. And uh, I just became really concerned and I really felt empathy for all the parents who feel helpless because we can get into this a bit, but parental rights are being taken away. 
children are being rushed into these experimental treatments, they're being harmed for life, their fertility is being destroyed, it's causing all sorts of damage. And most of these kids never felt this gender dysphoria growing up. And so I just think we need to pause and uh, have some more caution and some more evidence-based treatments for these children. But sorry, I got a little sidetracked. After Posey Parker's poster got taken down, I had enough of the censorship, so I put up a billboard in Vancouver, leading into downtown Vancouver. Same thing, just said, I love JK Rowling. It got paint bombed overnight, and then a Vancouver politician said that it was hate speech. <laughs> wow. Zuby, it has a big heart on it. <laughs> of course, of course. JK, JK Rowling, that, that known, known evil person. Oh, yeah, yeah. she's terrible. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, I wasn't really surprised and I leveraged all the outrage online. And I said, look, if you want to do this in your city, I will help. I'll organize it. I'll take all the heat. Um, I would just need some help with funding because I'm not a rich guy. And uh, right away, a woman in Silicon Valley reached out and she sent a little bit of money and I raised some more from Canadians that night. And a week later, had a billboard up in San Francisco. And then with more help from people online and a businessman, we got billboards up in Portland, Oregon, Los Angeles, all throughout Utah, the underground network, the Metro in Washington, D.C. Man, you you picked the right cities. (laughs) And finished off with Times Square. Um, So that was a good little campaign. And that ended. And I wasn't done because... Don't ask me why, but I'm really moved by this. And it just, uh, I feel we need someone who wasn't too afraid of cancel culture to go out there and spread awareness. And if we're not allowed to put up billboards and if the media won't report on any of this stuff going on and all of our governments are pushing this, all the school boards, all the unions in schools are pushing this, there was really no way for me to create awareness except to put a sign on my back. So that's what I did because I know my rights and I know this isn't hate speech and I know they're not allowed to take the message off my back. So I just started having conversations with one person at a time. I have faith that through this process and through traveling across Canada and soon to be the US, that word of mouth will spread. And this practice, which we can get into in a minute, is so wrong. I'm fully confident that word will spread and sanity will get restored one of these days. But it's been a bit of a wild ride, that's for sure. Absolutely. Well, you have my full respect for taking a vocal stance against this. I've said many, many times that the reason why bad ideas are just running riot throughout the modern Western world is due to cowardice. People see something is wrong, but they don't want to say anything, let alone do anything about it because they're afraid of being called names or they're afraid of the Twitter mob or they're afraid of being labeled this or that or they're afraid of being canceled. It's just fear. It's just fear. It's it's cowardice. And I think that when people are fearful in when people are fearful and cowardly in the face of something which is wrong or unethical, then that is how evil triumphs. We've that's how we've seen this many, many times all throughout history. It yeah. doesn't take um, it doesn't take a huge number of bad people or bad ideas to cow a society. It just takes the complicity and silence of the majority, even if they know something is wrong. So massive respect for that. That's right. And this is the vast majority of people agreeing with what my principal message is that children cannot consent to puberty blockers. So I'll just get into that really briefly. Please do. For most, for most people, more than 90% of people, and I've had literally thousands and thousands of conversations all across Canada now, um, All you have to mention is, yeah, we're blocking puberty in children who have been led to believe that they're the opposite sex. And we're physically trying to change the sex of these children. And I should preface this entire talk by saying, first of all, none of this is about adults. If you're an adult and you're struggling with gender dysphoria, this mismatch between your biological sex and your Uh, gender identity, I guess. I don't really subscribe to this whole gender identity theory. Personally, I don't have a gender identity, but people can believe in that if they wish. And if they want to transition as an adult, go for it. Everyone just wants everyone else to be happy. If that makes people feel better, then they should go for it. 
But what's happening with kids is something entirely different. So historically, when we look at this condition known as gender dysphoria, it traditionally affected boys way more than girls, and it started really young in life. So you'd have four, five, six-year-old boys who were more effeminate, and it persisted into adolescence. And we have academic studies going back several decades that followed these children through their childhood, through adolescence. And all of these studies indicate 80 to 90% of the time, kids with severe gender dysphoria from a young age, they simply outgrow it. And a lot of these kids, the majority, end up gay or lesbian, which makes sense a little bit when you think about it. Uh, I have a lot of gay friends now. A lot of these men tell me when they were younger, they were much more effeminate. They enjoyed hanging out with the girls more. And that's fine. That's beautiful. If you're gender non-conforming, that's wonderful. Go for it. You don't need to conform to stereotypes of what it's you're supposed to be like as a boy or a girl. But what's happening today is something totally different. In 2013, in the DSM-4, this condition was referred to as gender identity disorder. That changed to gender dysphoria. And what's going on today now is in schools and throughout social media, which is a very dangerous place for children who start exploring this, children are being taught that they all have a gender identity. So, okay, we can debate that. But if you teach this to kids, the next thing they do, obviously, is they need to figure out what their gender identity is. And so what are they being told? How do they figure that out? Well, it's entirely based on regressive stereotypes. If you look at one of the most popular resources used throughout schools, you'll find it in gender clinics at children's hospitals all across the Western world. It's this resource called the genderbred person. And it states on there that your gender identity is based on personality, likes, dislikes, hobbies, jobs, roles, expectations. This is completely regressive sexist nonsense. So if a girl wants to be an engineer or a president or an astronaut, mm -hmm. is this, these are traditionally things on the boy end of the spectrum. Does that make you more boyish? If a boy is more feminine, does that mean he's, got a girl brain. These mm. kids are being taught that there's such a thing as a girl brain and a boy brain. They're being taught that there are more than two sexes, which is ludicrous. And almost all of these children now who are presenting with rapid onset gender dysphoria that just shows up in adolescence in their teenage years, virtually all of these kids have something else going on. They've got anxiety, depression, Autism is huge among this group. ADHD is extremely common. There might have been trauma. There might have been abuse. There could have been sexual abuse. A lot of these kids now, they just, they don't feel like they fit in. And not fitting in and not meeting the beauty standards and all that sort of stuff. These kids will simply identify out of their sex and they'll identify as trans. And then they get rewarded and love bombed, which it's wonderful to accept everybody but encouraging what are essentially delusions or encouraging people to have basically a dissociation from their biological sex, mm -hmm. I don't think is necessarily the healthiest thing. And what's really damaging today is these children go to these gender clinics and whereas we used to counsel these children, we used to look into these underlying comorbidities that precipitated this gender dysphoria. Now, the practice more and more around the world is what's known as gender affirming care. So endocrinologists, the nurses, the social workers who meet with these children for their first appointment, they simply affirm the child's self-diagnosis as being the opposite sex. And they get rushed into these 
really harmful drugs in North America. This drug is called Lupron. It has different names elsewhere around the world, but it does exactly what it sounds like. It stops puberty from happening. So just think about that. All the things that should happen won't happen. We're stopping children's bodies from developing. Girls' breasts won't grow. Bones don't gain any density. Boys' penises don't grow. It affects their brain. It increases chances of heart attacks. And this is just the first step. These puberty-blocking drugs are just the very first step. The next step is the opposite sex hormones. So it's girls going on testosterone, and they need to stay on it for life. And this itself causes all sorts of damage as well. It causes vaginal and uterine atrophy. You have young women having to get their uterus removed. Mm -hmm. Combined, these puberty-blocking drugs and cross-sex hormones are sterilizing children. Many of these kids, when they grow up, and this is not me saying this, the president-elect of the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, just two weeks ago, an article Abigail Schreier wrote, admitted that a lot of these kids, when they grow up, will never be able to have an orgasm. And there's all sorts of issues with this. If you look at the consent forms themselves that these children sign, it states right on the consent forms that we don't know the long-term information associated with these experimental practices. So mm -hmm. if we don't know the long-term information, how can a child give informed consent? Obviously they can't. And these are, these are mostly girls now. It's completely flip-flopped. It used to be one out of every few thousand boys had gender dysphoria. Mm -hmm. And much less for girls. Now you get one out of ten in high schools where this stuff is, is that, taught. Is it that high? It's extremely high. Wow. It might be one out of twenty. Depends which region of the world you're in. Sure. Um, this is mostly affecting white kids from left-wing families, statistically. And people will tell me, well, if I ask, well, why has there been this massive increase? You know, the UK saw a 4,000% increase mm -hmm. in girls presenting as transgender. Yes. Why the huge increase? Why not a similar increase in boys? They'll say, oh, well, it's just because they didn't feel comfortable coming out before. Nonsense. Well, if that's the case, then we should see the same uptick in 30-year-old and 40-year-old and 50-year-old women who've secretly been hiding in a man's body this whole time. But of course that's nonsense and it doesn't happen. These kids are struggling. Puberty can really suck, obviously, especially for girls. They're getting sexualized, their bodies are changing. Growing up in the social media era, the Instagram era, obviously this is gonna be very tough. And for kids who aren't fitting in and maybe have a bad home life or who knows what's going on, there could be a hundred things precipitating this gender dysphoria that suddenly shows up. We should be talking to these kids. We should be doing watchful waiting. And we should not be irreversibly harming their bodies because that is crazy. These are children. A lot of these kids believed in Santa Claus a year or two ago. Man, I'm with you 100%. And uh, I think you, you've, you've worded that perhaps even... Uh more uh more calmly and more uh, <laughs> better, better, better than i would be able to because uh i, I agree 100 percent with everything you say i mean i think it's straight up evil i think it's evil um it i think it it's very very wrong with me you know as a society i'm not a, i'm not a parent yet i'm not a father yet but we are supposed to protect and defend children and the way that we treat children everywhere across society, in law, in our culture, in everything, you don't treat children identically to the way you treat adults. We understand that the concept of consent, which funnily enough is sort of a, a big topic these days when it comes to uh, sexual activity. But when you think of the Pandora's box that is being opened by allowing or saying that children are able to consent to this, then that is a true slippery slope, right? The whole concept about children not being able to consent to sexual activity is based around the notion that, of course, as a child, their brain is not properly developed. So 
They can be manipulated in all sorts of ways. The prefrontal cortex, I mean, it doesn't really finish developing until even 25, but certainly with young children, that's, that's the, what that whole thing is, is based on. And that's not some political statement. This is just an, an obvious fact, a biological fact, a social fact, which has been, uh, I mean, the entire, almost every country in the entire world, certainly every developed country has an age of consent. And it should, and it exists for a reason. It's the same reason why we don't let children drive cars, operate heavy machinery, get tattoos, anything like that. So this notion that a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old, or a 9-year-old can consent to these permanent physical changes in their body, which are going to have effects on them all the way into their adulthood, throughout their entire life, up to and including rendering them totally infertile, is evil. I know people don't like that word. People, people try to shy away from it. But as far as I'm concerned, that's straight up, that's demonic, man. That's insane. And I think even as recently as 10 or 15 years ago, in countries like UK, Canada, USA, Australia, you know, these Western Anglosphere countries in particular, it wouldn't have been, uh, it wouldn't have been considered remotely acceptable by anybody, even people who consider themselves more, more progressive or liberal. It would have been to- sounded totally psychotic to them. But all of a sudden, um, in this past eight, seems maybe seven to eight years, this whole issue has really, as you said, the numbers have gone up by thousands of percentages. We're having this social contagion, as you said. I think that's a big factor of why it's primarily affecting girls because of the social aspect and the social pressure. Um, and it's it's nuts. It's one of those things that on a, I don't know, on a kind of superficial level, it might seem too small to be important to a lot of people. Most people might just think, oh, like, you know, it's some weird fringe thing. It doesn't really matter. But I, I, I think a lot of people don't see just how insidious it is and what it can potentially lead to on all different fronts. And also perhaps do not understand the scale of the issue because when when I was growing up, I mean, you know, this this wasn't this wasn't a thing. So I think to course, most older yeah. people, they're just like, nah, you know, whatever. A child would never think this. They would never think that they're born in the wrong body, unless someone puts that idea in their head. Mm-hmm. They would never think. No, you know, the transsexuals of old, like from twenty years ago, thirty years ago, they all knew that they were still male or female but they felt better identifying as the other sex and they were adults. So fine, you know, but people don't understand the scale of what's going on. And I knew it was getting pretty bad when I started out on this little mission, but I go downtown Vancouver. We're kind of one of the epicenters of this for the world here, the whole West coast, U S as well, but it is alarming Zuby how many young girls, especially early 20s, late teens, they all think I am a terrible person <laughs> for simply saying that children cannot consent to puberty blockers and wanting to have conversations about this. They have been indoctrinated in high schools, universities especially, where you know gender theory and all the w- old women's studies classes are now re re-termed gender studies classes. It's just completely taken over academia, and it's being taught in all of our schools now. It's expanding in other provinces in Canada, and so it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. But it's not a fringe issue anymore. It's thousands and thousands of children. We have one psychologist in British Columbia named Wallace Wong. And he who he is who our Ministry of Children and Families lean on for expertise and for guidance. And he gave a talk at the Vancouver Library a few years ago, where he was personally, just him, transitioning over 1,000 children, including over 500 kids in our foster system. Orphans. Half of these kids, statistically, 52% of kids in state care in Canada are indigenous. Mm-hmm. His youngest patient, he says, is two years and nine months old. What? So yeah, so they socially they start socially transitioning these kids at any age. And then right when their bodies are about to hit puberty, uh, technical term for it is Tanner stage two, 
like when a girl's breasts start to form, they'll give them these puberty blocking drugs. So in girls, it stops estrogen from being released. In boys, it stops testosterone from being released. And then they give them the other sexist hormones. So they're not getting their own hormones, first of all, that they should be naturally receiving, which would make them feel comfortable in almost all instances, especially these kids that are suddenly presenting as gender dysphoric in their teen years. They would grow out of it, almost all these kids. But they don't get to experience their own hormones. Then these girls are going on testosterone, so they're getting deep voices, growing beards. They're getting double mastectomies as minors, even without parental approval because doctors will treat these children as a mature minor. And they're getting into their 20s, and like Kira Bell, the wonderful Kira Bell in England, she sued the Tavistock, and in December of last year, the High Court ruled that children can't give informed consent to these puberty blockers. This is still tied up in the courts. They recently lost an appeal, which basically stated that judges shouldn't be making the final determination. It's for a doctor and the patient and the parents to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to go to the Supreme Court. But, you know, we have other progressive countries. Sweden and Finland have done away with this practice. The only children that will be able to receive these puberty blocking drugs would have to be part of a clinical trial where they would be screened for other comorbidities. So those would be ruled out. Those are progressive countries. They know the evidence isn't there. We have. The College of uh, Psychiatrists in New Zealand and Australia have spoken out against this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gender Clinic in Perth, Australia has stopped the practice. They're afraid of getting sued. But here where I live, a dad went to jail this year because at the age of 13, when his daughter was 13, this father refused to sign the consent form for her to go on testosterone. He spoke out against this. The endocrinologist at the children's hospital sent him a letter. I have it. It literally states, Zuby, that parents can be friends and advisors to their children, but they cannot intervene in this, in this medical stuff. Good grief. A mom in Victoria on Vancouver Island. I've been talking to her for over a year. First day of school last year, the teacher asked the kids for their preferred names and pronouns. This girl was having a really tough time. Parents had separated. They just moved. She developed really young, you know, physically developed, which is hard for girls. And she decided right then and there to try out being a boy. The school counselor was coaching her on how to get binders without her mom knowing. So these are really tight compression sleeves that girls wear over their chest to, you know, essentially crush their breasts to make them appear more boyish. And it can cause tissue damage and other issues. Kids now, all across Canada, if a, if a girl or boy comes out as transgender at school now, the school will not tell the parents unless the child authorizes it. So you have all these girls now identifying as boys at school, getting love-bombed at school. The entire school knows. All the administrators know. The teacher knows. But the parents don't know. Well, why is Canada so wacky with this stuff? Well, it's coming everywhere. This is happening in the U.S. too. There's a case I I just read about this morning in Florida. Someone's suing because, you know, the child came out as transgender at school and they hid it from the parents. Mm -hmm. But Canada is kind of woke central in a lot of ways. This is Trudeau's Canada. You know, they're pushing this. They're trying to even pass a bill which will effectively ban counseling for children with gender dysphoria. We, so Canada, we're a little bit different than the UK. We have each province kind of has its own rules for, uh, you know, medical stuff. So certain provinces have already passed these bills, but this would be a federal bill affecting the entire country. And basically these bills are passing all over the world. It's in Washington state, California, lots of different states, lots of different places. But they state essentially that what what these activists have done, because these bills are essentially drafted by activists. They state, they try to conflate sexual orientation and gender identity as the same thing. So 
people think this is like the new gay rights movement and it's nothing of the sort. No. Gay rights, wonderful. If you're gay or lesbian, that your sexual orientation is immutable and we should never try to change it. Love whoever you love, wonderful. This is totally different. But they try to conflate these same things together. So in all these conversion therapy bills that we see, it's about banning conversion therapy based on someone's sexual orientation, which pretty much everyone agrees with. And this practice is essentially non-existent as well. And then it would ban conversion therapy based on your gender identity, but only if you help a child to feel comfortable in their biological sex, that would be deemed conversion therapy. Mm. So if you help a girl to feel comfortable as a girl, when she previously said she was a boy, gotcha. that is conversion therapy. And these parents could face up to five years in prison. The counselors could, you know, anyone talking to these children. <laughs> if, if you have a successful psychotherapy practice like Stella O'Malley or Sasha Ayed, where they treat pretty much just these children who are struggling with gender dysphoria, it's simply a matter of time until activists come for your practice and you're in court defending yourself, having your reputation dragged through the mud. And what essentially happens when these bills are passed is you can't find a counselor anymore for these kids. I have parents from around the world that reach out to me trying to find someone just to talk to their kid because no one in Washington state will do it. No one in California will do it. You literally can't find a counselor for children who are struggling. <laughs> this is totally insane. So they're trying to pass this bill in Canada and some of these politicians are just confused, but a lot of them know exactly what's going on. And like you said earlier, they are just cowards. The conservative leader of Canada He's the opposition leader right now. His name's Aaron O'Toole. I was in Ottawa a few months ago, standing on the street near the entrance to the House of Commons, where all the members of parliament come in and out. And Aaron O'Toole came back from lunch. He hit the crosswalk button. He looked up, he saw me. <laughs> and he walked 150 yards in the wrong direction to avoid me in 100 degree heat. <laughs> So I just walked down the other side of the street and met him at the next crosswalk where he then refused to talk to me and then doubled back and walked the extra 150 yards back to the entrance he was already near. So essentially he walked 300 yards in 100 degree heat to avoid a Canadian dad with a message that says children cannot consent to puberty blockers. This is the most conservative message you could ever have in the history of the world. We shouldn't be sterilizing children. Yet the conservative leader of Canada who does know what's going on because the whole caucus had someone come in and speak to them. He can't even confront a simple conversation about this. It's absolute cowardice. They're afraid of the mob. So it became very clear to me a long time ago that no one in any school board, no politicians, none of these people in authority are going to do anything about this. So I'm taking this message straight to parents because we have to bypass all these lame politicians and everybody. We have to educate parents so they can talk to their kids. Because when kids become informed about the truth of biological sex and how it's okay to be gender nonconforming, and then when these, this false ideology and these lies come for them in school or on social media, these kids are inoculated a bit against this false information and they won't get as affected by it. And children need to know that if they mention the word gender in school, that you come and talk to mom and dad about it. And we need to make noise with schools. We need to make noise with school boards. We need to just raise awareness because this is not a fringe issue. This is exploding among this age group. And it's nothing new that teenage girls suffer from mental health crises. It's a hard time. There's always been a history of anorexia and bulimia, cutting. Mm -hmm. This girl from a high school came up to me the other day. She was just 13 years old. But uh, she had about 30 cut marks up and down her arm. Yes. She's just 13. She's 13. She's a baby. She's so, extremely emotionally immature, but now she says she's transgender and she's trying mm -hmm. to get hormones. Mm -hmm. And these ideologues that exist in these children's hospitals are giving these drugs and cross-sex hormones to these kids whose brains are developing, bodies are developing. It's criminal. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's criminal. The thing with some of those other disorders 
that you mentioned, because there are all different types of body dysmorphias. Mm-hmm. And in those situations, let's take an obvious example, somebody who is anorexic. There are people who are anorexic who believe that they are fat or overweight or obese when they are not. They are actually, in fact, underweight and they're losing weight very rapidly. But in their own mind, they may believe that they're overweight. It would obviously be wrong and abusive and immoral to affirm that, right? And say, yes, actually, you are that thing. There are people who believe that they should be blind or that they should be missing an arm or a leg. What's that called? Body integrity dysmorphia or something like that. There are all kinds of mental issues that are out there. There are different delusions that people can have. But the typical insane response to that is not to affirm the behavior or to affirm the belief. Um, so I think that's another Pandora's box that is really being opened here as well. Um, I think that there are the downstream repercussions, which we are able to predict and already have seen in some of these issues, but 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the line, this is always what happens when, whenever society or culture makes a big change, you don't necessarily know, and you can't predict what all the downstream impacts are going to be. And this current era of psychosis is is deeply concerning to think, okay, if you let this sort of run its course, then where are things going to be 20 to 30 years from now? Well, where things are going to be 20 or 30 years from now is we're going to look back at this like the lobotomies of the 1950s and 60s. Mm. The person who invented or started the lobotomy practice won the Nobel Prize for medicine right? Wow. Thalidomide was this uh, drug given to women. And when their babies were born, they were called flipper babies because they were mm-hmm. born with deformities. Yes. There is a long history of approved medical practices, which turn out to be terrible. And I think we put doctors and all these specialists on a pedestal when they're just people. And yeah, they went to school longer than us, but they're still people and they're still prone to falling for ideologies. There is a lot of cult-like activity involved with this particular subject. It is an ideology. It is a belief system. No matter how gender non-conforming you are, if you're a tomboy, you are not an actual boy. You're a girl Mm -hmm. and we are now teaching children that it is these stereotypes that determine what their gender identity is. And if you give kids who are having a tough time growing up, if you give these girls an out from being a girl, well, every time you give this option to them, some are going to take you up on it. It's that simple. And, you know, a message for parents really, and this is really important the the web I mean, we all know this, but these kids are getting onto social media. They're getting onto websites like deviantart.com, Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, other teen influencers, teachers in school, social workers, counselors. They're all pretty left-wing. They tend to be. But on the web, these kids are getting groomed. And they're not just getting groomed into this ideology. They're also getting groomed to reject their parents because parents, they are told, just don't understand. Mm -hmm. A 12-year-old at a school in Toronto in this uh, nice area called the Beaches, right on the lake, uh, a 12-year-old recorded his teacher giving a lesson on gender identity. And the father leaked it to me. So I leaked it out. You'll find it on my little YouTube channel. But this teacher about five or six times is grooming all these kids in grade seven to reject their parents if their parents offer any objection. Because, you know, parents and grandparents, they just don't understand. They're not woke like we are. They're not having these conversations like we are in grade seven. And this is totally the case. I see it all the time. Mm -hmm. Kids just think we're dinosaurs for believing in the existence of biological sex. 
And who knows what their home lives are like or whatever, but these kids are getting indoctrinated and then they're coming to harm way too quickly without any safeguards in place. So all I'm advocating for is conversations. We need to be listening to the experts. We need to listen to the whistleblowers from institutions like the Tavistock itself in the UK, where people have blown the whistle on some of the incredibly unscientific and rushed practices that are going on. But ultimately, this isn't, this isn't complicated. We shouldn't be transitioning children. Full stop. Mm-hmm. You don't do it. When 80 to 90% of kids with severe gender dysphoria from a young age outgrow it, we shouldn't be doing it. There's no excuse. Absolutely. 100% yeah. agree. How is it that people are suddenly believing things that they didn't as recently as a few years ago? This, well, that's one of the things that, that's blown my mind most about this whole topic is its speed and recency. Now, I understand that gender ideology dates back many decades, but literally in the past seven to eight years, this whole topic of transgenderism and gender ideology and non-binary and the pronoun stuff, all of this is extraordinarily new. So I can understand how uh, with certain influences, a child or a young person could kind of come up with these ideas or be led to believe them or whatever. But when you're talking about people who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, who their entire lives have not separated or distinguished between sex and gender, they've always believed that there's just males and females, they've always believed and accepted boys Girls are different. Men and women are different. Obviously, that's how we got there. Many of them are even parents themselves. We all know how this works. Not, By the way, not just in our species, across the entire animal kingdom. How can someone like that suddenly start believing? Or in my opinion, I think many people are pretending to believe. But if they do truly believe, how, how has that just happened so quickly? I mean, if you just go back to I'd say literally, if you go back to 2010, let's go back to 2010 or 2011, and you floated some of these ideas out here. We haven't even talked about the whole transgender sports issue, whatever. Yeah. Um, no, no one, you know, you speak to uh, someone who even who's more left wing or liberal at that time, they just be like, no, that's nonsense. Like, what, 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 of course, of course not. Right. Like that doesn't that doesn't make sense. But it's like there's this psychosis of this idea pathogen that's just spread so quickly and it's got into the stage where you or I, you know, of course, someone's going to listen to this and go, oh, these guys are being transphobic, whatever. Firstly, which is funny because they're going to assume our genders because that's what people do. Um, <laughs> but they'll say, but they'll say that, you know, they like that term, you know, even that term transphobia. I'd never heard that until maybe 2014, 2015. Yeah. Prior to that, I'd never even heard that term before. Yeah. You know, I, I go to a lot of the, I go to wherever people are. So if there's an event of, of liberals, of left-wing people, right-wing people, I don't care. I don't care who the people are. I'll talk to anyone. I'll talk to a podcaster who has 20 followers. But I go to a lot of these events downtown of these freedom rallies, you know, because there's tons of people there. And they're, they support what I'm doing almost unanimously. But these are the people that the left would call you know, the far right and the bigots and the terrible people. I haven't met one person, even from this group of people, and some of them are kind of extreme. A lot of them are just normal. None of them are transphobic. Everyone says, if you're an adult, do whatever you like. The concern mm-hmm. here is about kids. And yeah, even as an adult, if you're a young adult, you're 19, 20, you know, you should still have some caution and do a lot of research. And, you know, it'd probably be better for you to wait, but this transphobia thing, it's not true. It, it really doesn't exist. Everyone just wants everyone to be happy. But you asked how this has taken hold so much in the last 10 years. There's been a very planned and well-orchestrated misinformation campaign. Boy, I can get into a lot of stuff, uh, but the world's largest law firm, Denton's, teamed up with Thomson Reuters, and they have it's like 50 or 80 page handbook on how to lobby governments to get your activism converted into legislation, cancel culture with the rise of, you know, Twitter and everything has 
effectively silenced 99.9% of people who would be outspoken critics because people have bills to pay, they have mortgages to pay. Mm-hmm. And we are lied to, very simply. The number one thing I will hear when I'm having conversations is if you don't let a child transition, they'll kill themselves. Mm-hmm. This is a despicable lie. It's not true. On my website, billboardchris.com, I've got all the studies you need to read. There haven't really been huge studies, but all the information we do have shows that this isn't true. All you have to do is think about this rationally. As humans, we've been on the planet for what, 300,000 years? How did all these kids make it through puberty before without synthetic drugs blocking their development? Mm -hmm. When the Tavistock in the UK, when the high court ruling came down last December, all these kids under 16 weren't allowed to receive these puberty blocking drugs anymore. According to the activists, there should have been this huge increase in child suicides, but there wasn't. We haven't heard of one. It's a total lie, but parents will be told by these endocrinologists even at the hospitals that you've got a choice. You can have a transgender child or a dead child and they get scared. That's awful. So there's that and there's just a ton of misinformation and people just have a very shallow understanding of all of this because until it comes and it affects your family, most people don't do much digging into it. Yeah. But the thing that's really insidious about this or really destructive when it comes to spreading word, the parents who in many cases are getting blindsided because kids are learning this stuff in schools or they're getting indoctrinated online, parents can't speak out about it. The Ministry of Children will take your child away. The ministry told a mom that I talked to very recently that if she's not immediately affirming her child's name change and pronouns, new pronouns, they consider it abuse. And they can take your kid away. when, When did this power shift happen? When did they gain, when did these authorities or supposed authorities gain this type of power? And how? Activists have been very busy. There's $450 million spent every year in North America on LGBT issues, but almost all of that goes to these gender extremists now. None mm-hmm. of it's going to gay rights because gay rights were all won, you know, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And what this ideology is really doing in many cases is coming for kids who would just grow up to be gay or lesbian. And we know this from all of our studies, but it's a hugely successful misinformation, disinformation campaign. It's intentional. And we have, you know how it is, you know, the loudest, angriest, most mentally ill people on Twitter now, even if there's just 20 or 30 of them, they're able to change the policies of entire corporations because they just scream how marginalized they are. And everyone says, oh, 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 okay, you know, we don't want to hurt your feelings. But... This is a different issue. This isn't about inclusion and acceptance. This is child abuse. Absolutely. And and there's nothing more precious in this world than our kids. And we simply cannot allow this to continue. So we started off this interview. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Well, somebody had to. <laughs> yeah. No, and, no dude, uh, I, I, yeah. Res- I respect it 100%, man. You've, you've got my total respect here. I mean... There's so many different angles to this. I mean, another mm-hmm. thing that's a part of it and, uh, you know, is it's essentially just like I think a lot of things that get labeled progressive or some of these sort of far left, you could call them ideas. They're essentially rehashed versions of what could be considered kind of far right ideas, right? You see this with their new version of woke racism, right? This I call it neo-racism. Right. A lot of their ideas about race essentialism and, you know, judging people based on their race and perhaps going back to racial segregation and, uh, you know, white people are privileged and all black people are oppressed and POC this and BIPOC that and Latinx this and that. It's all very, very racist. And Is that how that's pronounced? <laughs> I, I, I say I say Latinx. I like it. <laughs> there, there's no no Latino person in the world who even yeah. likes that term. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, 
And then with this version, there's an there's a rather homophobic undercurrent to it, which is that it's essentially the progressive version of conversion therapy, mm-hmm. right? So if uh, it's also kind of sexist, right? Because they also they they'll say that people shouldn't be, um, you know, people will get angry if there's a, a sort of blatant uh, sort of I don't know 1950s female stereotype or male stereotype in terms of the uh, sexual dynamics or something. But then those same people will say that, oh, well, you know, look at this stunning and brave woman who's actually a male who's just, you know, put on some heels and fake boobs and put on some lipstick. Like they're, they're, they themselves are being sort of this stereotype and caricature of what they imagine a woman to be. Um, so it, it's kind of funny because so in their own way, they've kind of got their own versions of like sexism and homophobia <laughs> and racism that they've somehow sort of packaged and advertised in a way as being like progressive and uh, inclusive and whatever, whereas it's the it's the total it's the total opposite. Before, when I was growing up, of course there were tomboys. Of course there were boys that were a little more feminine, whatever. But they're still girls. They're still boys. They're still what they are. But now it's like, oh, this girl likes to play with trucks. Oh, and she wants to be an astronaut. Oh, she's not really a girl. She's a boy. I mean that that in itself is that that's pretty sexist or say you've got uh i don't know a teenager who's who's uh homosexual and is uh, maybe a, a, a i don't know a teenage boy who's effeminate and it's like oh actually he's actually a girl he's actually a girl and then you put him through this conversion therapy and now according to their weird language he's now sort of he can now date a boy oh, sorry he can now date a girl and oh, wait am i getting this the right way around yeah, no, so yeah. so he could, he can now date a boy, and now that's like a heterosexual relationship. Right. It, it's it's very it's very bizarre, and then you're getting this even weirder thing where they're trying to shame people for what they call genital preference, right? Yeah. So if if I as a straight male don't want to date, <laughs> if I don't want to date a male who's got a penis but identifies as a woman, now oh, I'm yeah. now yeah. No, no, I'm transphobic, and I'm a bigot because uh, I I don't want to date someone with a penis. It's it it's laughable, and I think you do have to laugh at it sometimes. But yeah. when it comes to the issue of children specifically, that's when that's to me such a hard line in the sand. That's when it's just insidious. It's immoral. It's wrong. It's evil. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, the uh, world's it, the world's gone upside down, as we all know. We have, you know, human psychology always repeats itself. And we have Marxism creeping into society. It's coming in through our schools, of course. Mm-hmm. What's the easiest way to change the culture, Zuby? You get your indoctrination into the schools. You get, get to the early. kids, right? Yep. Everything we've ever seen. And there's this push towards anarchy. Um. Yeah, we have Antifa, which call themselves anti-fascists, but they're actually just straight up fascists who use violence to try to silence any opinion that they don't agree with. I've been attacked by these people myself. I had my arm broken in Montreal. Oh, wow. I got jumped on St. Catherine Street on March 12th, 7 p.m. on a Friday night. I had a man out with me. And next thing I knew, there were, I'm told, five to seven people Jumped me, punching me in the face, punching me in the back of the head, ripping off my signs, destroying my body cam. And so I pulled out my phone and filmed the latter half of that attack. And a man picked up a large traffic cone, (laughs) which I wasn't too worried about because it's just a traffic cone. Yeah. But he kept swinging it at me like an axe. And I blocked it four times with my forearm, doing my best Mm. karate kid impression. And one of those blows snapped my ulna. So... Uh, sorry, that was sorry interesting. That. It's okay. I would do it again because, like all of these things, we have to make this sort of behavior backfire. And yeah. it did because I caught some of it on video. And the Canadian media didn't report on it, of course, because all of our Canadian media is completely captured. But it made more news around the world. And, you know, even Russia had me on TV a couple of times. <laughs> Mm-hmm. People said you shouldn't go on Channel One Russia or RT because RT it's it's uh 
it's Putin's propaganda network. And I said, well, you know what? If they're telling the truth, I don't care. So we're yeah, just I was, I, I was, to, I was told, I was told the same, t- same, by the way, I've been on RT a couple of times and, um, I found them to be, uh, more, more honest and <laughs> down the line than, uh, certain outlets here in, uh, certainly in the USA. Yeah. And, um, a couple of weeks ago I went to Ontario and, you know, I've met with politicians I've met with school board officials. I've been outside parliament. I've been outside our legislature in BC. I've done all this tons of times. And none of these people in position want to listen. And it's in schools where our kids are getting harmed. So I went to this one school where this audio had been leaked. I didn't. I don't stand right in front of the school. I go down the street by the corner. But I went and stood by this school for a few days. And it caused absolute mayhem Radio stations in Toronto, led politicians on the floor of the legislature. Um, then in Ottawa, the next week, same sort of thing happened. I went to another area where there were a few schools nearby. I got assaulted. A guy got arrested. And everyone on all these mediums were calling me transphobic and a bigot and all that sort of stuff. But this reached a million people, or several million people, actually. And it started a lot of conversations. So... I don't care what they call me because I know what I am. Yes. And people who know me know what I am. And this is just the process we have to go through. If you're going to create awareness, you're going to have to put up with the lies and the nonsense. And they don't realize it even. They're doing exactly what we want when they do this because most people go, hmm, transphobia, hey, what's this guy's actual position? And then yeah. they look it up and they see, oh, this is entirely reasonable. Why are we transitioning thousands of children sterilizing all of these kids, causing harm, shortening their lifespans, just because they've fallen into a craze in high school. It's totally nuts. So yeah, we'll keep getting the word out there. I'm heading to Texas in a couple weeks. Okay, enjoy it. From November 10th to the 21st, and I'm going to be in Austin, Houston, San Antonio, and Dallas. I'm going to be in LA for a few days in December around Christmas time. And I'm really excited about these trips because Americans... They get active, just like in the UK. You know, <laughs> half, the, half the people in Canada even who come out with me or, or actually do something in the real world, whether it's just talking to their school principals or whatever, a lot of them are from the UK. That's interesting. Um, the UK is leading the world on this. They're called Turf Island now, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is, <laughs> which is what, what these women get called. They get called trans-exclusionary radical feminists because yeah. they object to men walking around with their penis hanging out in girls' and women's spaces, you know? Mm-hmm. How dare they? Radic- radical. Yeah, radical. But um, the UK is making amazing progress, and they're leading the world. But Americans are starting to speak up a lot, too. So I'm going to go down there and garner some more support, and we're just going to keep going. So... I know one day we win this battle because it's far too insane for this to last, but it might take 10 years. So we don't really have a choice. You know, why are we on this planet? Why are we on this planet? Are we here to make money and get a big house and get a pool? That's not why I'm here. So, yeah. I hear that, man. Chris, it's been great to speak to you. Where can people find you online? So I do all my campaigning on Twitter at Billboard Chris. I have a website. It's pretty basic, but it kind of has all the fundamentals that you need. Um, if people want to support me financially, there's a donate button on there. But what I really ask of people is to get up to speed and start having conversations about this. Make noise with your local school boards. Talk to your teachers. Because teachers themselves, a lot of teachers that teach this, you know, what happens is they have a professional development day and they learn a little bit about gender identity ideology. And they're taught that this is all inclusive and everything. And they don't really think much more than that. They don't think about the ramifications of causing children to believe that there's maybe something wrong with them, that they were born in the Mm -hmm. wrong body. They don't know down the line what this can lead to in terms of medicalization of children. So just talking to your teachers too, most of them are going to agree with you. And they'll be far less likely to teach this. But we have to deal with this ourselves because the people in power are just strictly too afraid to do anything about it they're too captured and 
Yeah. So just follow me on Twitter, I guess, at Billboard Chris. I'm going to get some other platforms going because it's probably a matter of time until I get kicked off Twitter. Mm-hmm. But um, that's where I do all my campaigning. And Zuby, thank you so much, my man. I am extremely grateful for you having me on. And uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime in six months or so. No doubt, Chris. You're so welcome, man. Keep up the great work. All right, man. Take it easy. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.